So you light bold red wine most of the time With notes of fig and raisin You like a cold brew and pitching horseshoes As the sun is fading You like football games and dishing out nicknames The Godfather's one and two But not so fast, we got a podcast We like that too we like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. Hey, Bon Vivants, welcome back to the We Like That Too podcast. This is Brad Jones, and joining me, of course, is the head Bon Vivant himself, Mr. Keith and Lou. Hello, everybody. Welcome. What's going on? Not too much. Excited we, today. Great show. It's going to be, I tell you what, and timely and everything else. No kidding. So. But Bon Vivance, it is a little bit different format. Our guest couldn't join us for the wine tasting, so he's going to join us later, and you're going to be very excited about it. But and, we're going to get to the one bottle early. And so, what a guest it is. It is a great guest and a great bottle of wine, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking I'm, forward to in this In fact, one. I'm smelling this. I'm sitting here smelling this, and I'm thinking, hmm, can't wait to taste it. I haven't, I've, I've held back. This I've, was made with grapes. You can there you tell go. it's a red wine, but it's, it's red. It's redness. That's right. That's right. Oh uh, well, we've been doing some. Yeah, you've been doing some traveling. I've got some travel coming up, and we're going to have a special episode about some of our wine country travel. But let's talk about this bottle a little bit today. The bo- featured bottle today is from a very famous winemaker out of California, Gary Farrell. Been in the business over forty years and started up in the Russian River Valley, and that's where this one comes from. This is the Gary Farrell two thousand twenty Russian River Valley Pinot Noir. And it is the uh Russian River selection. Like I said, Gary Farrell's been in the business a long time, well-respected, well-known winemaker. And uh, this wine actually rated 93 points by wine enthusiasts. So this is an excellent wine, Pinot Noir. Um, And I know you're a Pinot Noir guy, Brett. What do you like about Pinot Noir? Why do you you gravitate toward it? Here's here's what I like about it, and here's what I don't like about it. No, you can tell us that too. You know, you're going to go up... To the land of the Pinot. I, I mean, you are going to the mother load. Yep. You, where you're, you're heading up to Willamette Valley where you could swing a cat and hit some of the best Pinot producers in the world. And they also produce great Pinots in the Russian River Valley yeah, also. And so I think what I really like about it is it is the most versatile of red wines. Yeah. Because I agree. If it's well made, it, it will work just fine with your fish or uh, some of your lighter dishes, but on the other hand, you know, as I said, where you're going up to Willamette, you've got some that honestly in a blind tasting, you're, you're going to have a little trouble even being able to tell if it's not a cab because they're, they're really dark. They're yeah. really complex. And well, let's, you let's, let's that, talk, you talk about the color of this one. I mean, the color, this, this is a dark Pinot. Mm-hmm. This is not one of those translucent Pinots where you can easily see the light through it. I think it's a, it's a gorgeous dark purple. And in saying what I don't like about Pinots is wimpy Pinots. Yeah. I don't like my Pinot I agree. to and be I, wimpy. You know, and, and different wines pair differently with food. There are people who say you should always have a little something to taste while you're drinking wine. I agree that wine usually is better with a bite of something. But if I want to just open a bottle and drink a glass of wine with nothing else, I want it to be able to stand on its own. Yeah. And that's one of the things I do like about some Pinots that are, are bold enough to stand on their own. Interestingly enough, this one is described as medium body. Now we haven't tasted it yet, but the nose on it certainly doesn't, it doesn't smell medium body. It's got a pretty big 
nose on it. A lot of fruit up front. Yeah, but, it's but, New World, definitely. But you you said this one's pretty dark. This isn't as dark as some of the some of the pinots that come out. Yeah, but it's certainly. But it's not as light as some of them no, either. It, yeah. No, it really isn't. Some of yeah. them are on the uh, on the verge of uh, rosé land. Well, you this know? one is dark in the middle, but it's light around the halo. It around is. the edges of the glass, it does pick up a lot of, of light. And it's it's beautiful. It's, it's a, a beautiful it's color. It's a really pretty color. Yeah, a rich purple color. Um, what are you getting off the nose? Black cherry. Yep. Uh, yep. For sure. I mean... Blackberry. Uh, blackberry. Yeah. Are you getting any... Uh, just a hint of like a leather... It's not strong, but there's some sort of non-fruit aroma that I'm picking up. You may be, yeah, you may be in there. You know what it is? It's it's almost. You're gonna think I'm crazy when I say this. It's it's like a hint of mint, menthol maybe. Menthol. All right, let's taste it. Let's do. Let's do. Our bon vivants don't want to listen to us sniff in the middle of the. Uh... <laughs> Equally as obnoxious. Thank you, Bobby Vaughn. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now this, this is balanced. That is really balanced. It's a very, very I good mean, The fruit arm. is there, but it is not jammy. No. It is not what I would call jammy. It's got some nice acid along the outside of the tongue, but not tannic. Not that pucker factor. Uh, really nice dry finish. I and, think. and you want a little bit of uh, you want some fruit with your Pinot Noirs. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the the Pinots will will remind you that these are made. This is made from grapes. This is a great one. This is a very good wine. You know what? I may have been when I said menthol. It may have been cedar. Cedar. The description of this has cedar listed, and that may have been what I was. It might be. Up. Yeah, it could be. I get that little red cedar. You know, we're we're known for red cedar in Missouri, so. Well, you know, part of the reason that this, I think this wine is so balanced is, let's talk a little bit about the Russian River AVA. It was really formed by these tectonic plates that smashed together millions and millions of years ago. But what it did, it left a lot of different soils that combined. Oh, it was, you know, there was a volcanic uh, ash, there was sandstone and loam and this bedrock. It produced what's known as Gold Ridge soil, and that's what Russian River Valley is known for. So it's great for growing grapes, and you know Pinot Noir is a little bit finicky. Yep, it's persnickety. The other thing about the Russian River Valley is the climate, and it gets these really nice, warm, sunny days, and then at night it gets this cooling effect from the ocean through the Petaluma Gap that lowers the overnight temperature, and it does wonders to ripening their grapes. They call it the diurnal temperature change. And, uh, I had know, that we're... once. <laughs> <laughs> little, little Imodium will take care yeah, of that. I t- yeah, I took, a, I took something for it. <laughs> but it's got a long, slow ripening period. And I think uh, Russian River Valley is like the Willamette Valley, known for Pinot. And, uh, what kind of price point are we looking at? On this one, do you remember? Yeah, this is about a thirty-five, forty-dollar bottle. Okay, so and that's about what it, a, a good, a it's great a good price point for a great it Pinot Noir. Tastes very good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, this Matt is Green not, Barvino has it. This, this is, is not, not hard a, to find. Gary Farrell, two thousand twenty Russian River Valley Pinot Noir. I highly recommend this Bon Vivants. Uh, really good wine, and this this is one I'd sit and drink by itself. And Put I some think, food with it. Great. I, I think Gary's got some other lines too. If Gary's I'm got a full line of mistaken. Go, I know his Chardonnay is great. Yeah. Go to his website and uh, take a look at the other offerings that he's got there at the vineyard. He's been doing it a long time he and has. he does it very well. Yeah. And if you're up in that area, stop in and see uh, Gary Farrell's winery and tell him old, old Brad and Keith. Tell him the Bon Vivant sent you. Great. 
All right, so that's the one bottle portion of the show. Thanks to uh, Matt Green, beautiful Matt Green. downtown Jefferson City, Barvino, our bottle sponsor, and yes. uh, we will post all of that on the website, folks. So our guest is here. He is here. Hey, we, we teased you, it a little know, bit. Do you know what huh? the season is coming up? You know I know. <laughs> Because, you know, I've been through the summer of my discontent. I, you know, once, once the Super Bowl's over, I go into a deep, dark depression sports wise. So I, I figure, you know, you get that one day that it, it, it dips like five degrees and it's not 112. Yeah. I was like, it's time for the season. It's time for it's football. Time for the season. Are you ready for some football? Are you ready for some football? I, I love football. And we are honored today. Are, this is a thrill for We've me. We've been trying to set this up for a while. We and have. so we're glad. We are uh, honored to welcome Coach Gary Pinkle uh, to the program. We'll talk about some of his accolades. You know, to do to go through them all right now would take too long. But There's a bunch. Coach, thanks for joining us. I'm um, happy, uh, happy to be here with you guys. It's, well, we're uh, going to have some fun today talking about football. And I, I, you know, I say that because football is my favorite sport. Is it your favorite sport, Brad? Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Well, Coach, we grew up in Jefferson City. And and people have said Jeff City football is as close to Texas football as religion <laughs> as you can get. And uh, I think that's true. I mean, Friday nights in Jeff City, you yeah. know, with uh, – you know, we lived through the, 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 the winning streak and everything. And Keith played for, for Coach Atkins, who, by the way, happy, happy birthday, coach. Yeah. Coming yeah, up happy on. Birthday. What, a, yeah. what, a, what a tremendous uh, coach. He's, when I first got here, he was, I heard so many things about him, first of all. And, uh, he was just, he was so kind to me. And, uh, I just, um, I love the guy and I'm glad he's doing well. 99 years old. He's a class. 99 he's years a young. Going, I should say. And going strong. No and doubt, going so. strong. Yeah. Well, well, coach, tell us a little, since we're talking football, I mean, you know, just to, let's get into the history, your history a little bit about the game and how, when did you first get exposed to it? I mean, I'm assuming as a kid, but, um, I guess when did you, become passionate about football well i had peewee football that's what i did you know i played basketball baseball and that peewee football and when the seasons came around but i uh, and i played quarterback when i was a little pete you know eight nine years old and then yeah. i then i moved to receiver but i love i love playing it i mean i just i, I remember way back you know it's in ohio in akron ohio in you akron. know and that's where a lot of the football started. The Canton Football Hall of Fame was 15-minute drive from where I lived, and I'd go to it every year you know, just to watch these great, great people and players. Ohio's got some great football tradition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't like Ohio State, but I, I, I'll, I'll say. Because <laughs> they, they would get recognition. We were at Kent State. We wouldn't get the recognition that they did, and they yeah. deserved more at the time. But I still don't like them. Well, you know, so. there there are those teams that you don't like, but you have to kind of respect yeah. the tradition. Yeah. And, I, and Woody Hayes, Ohio State, Buckeye football – you know, we never liked him either, but it's like, can't deny the guy's success and the program's success. So it's always fun to kind of watch those kind of things. But, uh, you know, Bo Schembechler, I remember visiting with him, you know, they, they didn't recruit me. I ended up going to Kent State, but, uh, you know, I just, you know, Bo Schembechler, you know, and, and Woody Hayes, like you're oh, talking yeah. about, you go back in the day Classic with those guys. Rivalry. And really that's how I really, I got into this and I ended up going to Kent State and this guy named Don James comes in there. Yeah. Little did I know my whole life would completely change. And his influence on me and, 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 uh, some of the successes that I've had. Tell us about Don. You've talked, you've talked with great passion about Don James. And I think all of us in life, if you're going to be successful, there's somebody out there. Yeah. And, uh, wouldn't you say Don was probably that person for you? No question. He was, a, uh, just an exceptional coach, number one. He was right away when you start practicing his practices or his workouts, it's a whole different world. And I knew it was going to change too. <laughs> Our goal was to keep half the guys from quitting with what, because they wanted to do that. Uh, but Don James came in at, at, to Kent State University right after the May 4th shootings and, uh, two years 
we win a championship. And I have to say that there's a guy named uh, Jack Lambert was on that team, and he's uh, he's in the NFL Hall of Fame right now. He was your roommate. He was your roommate. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So did he, he, was, have, uh, did he have uh, all of his teeth then, or did, they, did he lose no, those later? No, he, he had a lot of them were gone that time too. So. <laughs> It's one of my favorite pictures of him. I, I, remember, always... I remember one time we went to – because I tried out with Steelers too, so I was a free agent. Oh, yeah? So I go up and get him so he didn't sleep in. He comes and gets me so we don't sleep in. So I go up, and he's not in the, he's not in his room. I go up, I hear this moaning, and I go in the bathroom, and he's got water streaming down on his leg because he bruised it. And I know him really well, and I've known him for years. Yeah. And I look at him, and I said, hey, you Okay. And he, I can't say exactly how he said it, but he said, he said, looked at me with his eyes as, as he was rubbing it. And he goes, Jack Lambert never effing yeah. gets hurt. I said, okay, I'll see you down there. So. <laughs> Actually, this is radio, so you can say whatever you want to yeah, on a podcast. You, you, you can lay any of them out. Yeah, so. that was, yeah, but that was, that was a really cool deal. And, and so, you know, his influence, uh, Coach James' influence, and Nick Saban was uh, a year older than me, but Nick was on that team. And obviously, he's done tremendously well. Yeah. But to all three of us, we all go looked at if, what, it would, what it would be like if Don James never came there. And who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Probably nothing. You know, we took advantage of, of those opportunities that he gave us. And so he was a, Nick was a, uh, a free agent, but he was a graduate assistant. And I was that also. And then I went and worked out. Out at the Washington, I was there eleven years, twelve, twelve years. Uh, well, I was going to ask you Seattle, about that so, because yeah. not only did you play for him, but then he must have had the respect or saw something in you after you graduated to hire you. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's got to be special, especially when it's somebody that you had such admiration for and and was such an important part of your life for him to come and say, "How'd that work? How did that happen?" Yeah, it's really interesting because this is right after our senior years. Now, Nick, he came up to Nick and I, but if Lambert wouldn't have got drafted or something else, he'd probably included him. But he he asked to meet with us, so me and Nick went in and meet with him. And this is you know Nick's Nick's graduated, and and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be my senior year, but I'm interested. He asked, he goes, Nick, you you want you come and be a GA here? And he looked back at me and said, Next year, if you don't go play, then why don't you come and be a GA with here? He identified us somehow amongst all those great players and you know, teammates. Yeah. You just you just get you look at your past. Cool. You wonder so how that how does stuff like that happen? I was very fortunate. And you were out in Washington. Yeah, Seattle. My last game I called would be Iowa and the Rose Bowl, and then I get the head coaching job at the University of Toledo. And uh, waiting for the right time, right spot. But you had a couple of little trips in there to Bowling Green. Well, at Bowling Green, I, that was my first full time job. I was okay. there two years. And I went part-time assistant at Washington and two years at Bowling Green. And then I went 12 years full-time coach there. We went to 11 bowls in 12 years. Nice. Uh, you know, we, they won the national championship year after I left. Oh, man. And, well, I, uh, I think it's safe to say you've had success wherever you've been. Maybe now is the time to introduce and talk about our listeners, uh, coach we call Bon Vivants. And we have <laughs> Bon Vivants all over the, literally all over the world, all over the globe. So to give you a little introduction to coach Pinkle, Gary Pinkle is a uh, retired now football coach, the most successful football coach in University of Missouri Tiger football history. And Toledo. Yeah. And Toledo. Uh, has has put his mark on every program he's had a part of. Was inducted into the National Coaches Hall of Fame, right? College Football Hall of Fame. The big one, the College Football Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Last year. Yeah. 22. That's that's got to be amazing. That that was – I can't even describe what that was like, but I – I was overwhelmed. I, I didn't even imagine in a million years 
that that would happen to me. I, you know, I don't look where the awards you get on. I, I don't look like that. I don't, I don't do stuff like that. But I, my gosh, uh, when I, we, when we got that, I mean, that was a quite a day for me. That was quite a day for Missouri football. Yes, it was. And I got to say this too, you know, this isn't about me. When you win, you win an award like that, it's about your Mike Alden's, your entire offensive defensive staff, my players. That's all of us working together to be successful. So I took that award uh, in their names and a big thank you for that. Well, it's a team sport, but we also know that there's a there's a leader of those teams, and somebody has to put that all together, and that was you. I know growing up a Mizzou Tiger football fan, you know, uh, Mizzou was known for its basketball, Norm Stewart, for a long time. We kind of uh, we touched on moments of greatness at, with Mizzou football, but we, we always uh, – we suffered silently, let's put it that way, for many, many years. <laughs> so I'm grateful for what you did for Mizzou football and really put it on the map moving into the SEC and the success well, we I had there. Well, I am, too, and, as I know. was telling you. Uh, yeah. uh, my dad went 25 years without missing a single home game. Wow. We had a little we had a little party for him and everything, and uh, he wow. got – it was sad when he got to a point where he just couldn't get, those, get on those steps uh-huh. anymore, but – um, I was kidding you. I said, yeah, I've sat through all the worst weather in uh, Memorial Union uh, <laughs> history because I would go, I'd wake up the next morning, I'd wake up that morning and just pray. It was just raining and, and crappy because mom wouldn't go. And so I'd get to go. <laughs> so I'd go sit there, I'd go sit through the really shitty games. And, uh, it was fun. The really cold ones yeah. or the really wet ones. Some of those are fun. I got yeah. to sit through those. So I, I sat through, uh, I sat through, you had to be a real fan to get up. But that, I mean, that started five, six years old. Yeah. We got a lot of black and gold in the veins. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah great. We've, and we've seen a lot. I mean, we've, I've seen what you did with the program. And, uh, it was really a quantum leap. Uh, you know, I remember Dan Devine. I remember mm-hmm. some of your, your predecessors and stuff. And so dirty Al on a free big Al and <laughs> all of them. Yeah. yeah every yeah. single one of them. And, uh, Woody, we had, Woody Woodenhofer, Woody's we had, wagon. We had yeah. Woody's yeah. wagon. Yeah. We had monikers of success. Let's yes. put it that way. Yes. And then, uh, you came and, and really got that. Let, let me ask you about those first couple of years. Cause you, um, first of all, why'd you come to Missouri? Well, and why did and you go? Actually, Sand, why did you go to why did you go to Toledo, and then why did you come to Missouri? Because I was always, I'm always, you know, curious in the coaching world. It's it is somewhat a gypsy existence. Yes, sometimes. well, it's in the Midmar Conference. I went to Kent State, so I was familiar with it. Okay, right. and it's interesting. The guy that was head coach there for one year, named Nick Saban. Yeah. So he was there one year. He calls me up. This is after this is after the season's over. They're preparing for bowl games. And he calls me up and says, Hey, listen, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a, I, I'm going to take another job. And I said, Oh, you are. And he says, Yeah, well, you would be interested in this, this Toledo job. I said, Yeah. He said, I said, Is it in good shape? He said, Yeah. He said, This is a pretty good place. I said, Okay. Well, you know, I ended up getting a job there. You yeah. know, interesting enough. He went to work for a guy named Bill Belichick for the Cleveland Browns. Browns, yeah. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Can you? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that incredible? It is, yeah. And yeah. then after that, he ended up going um, to Michigan State. Michigan State, And then yeah. he went down to LSU as a head coach and then shot over. Yeah. And just stayed, you know, did a great job. You know. He's been fairly successful. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a heck of a coach. What, so, uh, so you, you know, you knew him as a, a young man, a player. You know, what? He certainly comes across as intense. And I think anybody who's as successful as he is, you know, they're intense about what they do. What was he, what was he like as a young man, as a student and stuff? Was he always that, yeah, that, you know, yeah, I think driven? he's a little more reserved a little bit at times. But yeah. at the end of the day, he kind of watched out who he hung around with. And that's kind of sure. what he did. And, uh, yeah. but he's, he's, uh, he, 
he's a heck of a football coach. I mean, yes, he's, he he's really, really good at what he does. <laughs> but you look at him on the sideline and they could be up 68 to nothing. And he looks like somebody just ran over his dog. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he, and you know what? The players think the same thing. He's, yeah. That's why they stay focused. That's, exactly. it, that's why they exactly. stay focused. We're not going to take any time off here. Yeah, it, that's it, exactly it's right. not going to happen. That's exactly right. But he's, uh, he's done such a tremendous job. And, um, you know, so I had that opportunity and then I'd go to Toledo and, and it was good for me. And then we started winning on a pretty good pace, a decent pace for, you know, a school like that. And that's when the, when the Missouri thing came up. Well, 95, you were undefeated. Yeah, along, that? along with two, that? two other little Piker teams of uh, Nebraska and Florida. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> you didn't get the PR maybe yeah, that, uh, well, that those well, two got. <laughs> but you was, guys were in, had an that, undefeated season. And not too many coaches have. Uh, the percentage of coaches that have undefeated seasons are minimal. Yeah. Isn't that rare? Isn't that I mean, in, in any sport, and especially football, it is. It's unbelievable how many teams and, and programs never go have never had undefeated seasons. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just really hard to win. I mean, yeah. I tell the people that it's, all the time. There's, no, there's nothing, yeah. you're nothing easy about it. And you know, it's about recruiting. It's not. It's about making decisions, the right decisions on kids. And and evaluation is huge. Most more more coaches get fired not because they don't have enough great players, because they have too many mistakes. Yeah. Recruit twenty players and eight eight of them play or start or be a second team for you, and all those are else where other guys are a wash. Yeah. You gotta, I mean, it's just critically important evaluating. Well, recruiting was one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about. What was your philosophy approach to recruiting a player? Uh, I've heard Nick Saban say he recruits athletes. He doesn't necessarily recruit football players. Mm-hmm. He recruits athletes and then he can put them where he wants them. Yeah. Well, so what, you know, what was your approach? How'd you, how did you approach a kid, a student, his family about coming to play for you? Well, we had a, our first of our evaluation program and we did this with every, every player that we had came in. Three coaches had to see him. One was a position coach. We had to fill out all this stuff. And a lot of people don't do it because they just think it's, it's just too, uh, too much of a mess. But our big thing is accurately understanding what this young man can do and what his, what his future is. He might be undersized a little bit, but he can run, he can jump, he can do some things like that. So you kind of look at all those things and make a decision in your, in your recruiting. And ultimately that's going to, that's going to, you know, how, how you get the whole thing done. And, uh, you know, we demand excellence. Uh, we demand great relationships with our players and, uh, we work very hard at all those things. It's just a matter of, of making good decisions on players and making sure that you t- develop a team. You know, it's not about you. It's about the team and that kind of an atmosphere, uh, in state. Uh, you know, we can't make mistakes and obviously we want to get the best players to stay here because we have that edge and we started winning pretty good. And this first four years were, were tough. Losing, losing, winning, losing. Well, yeah. Yeah. But Gary, the, the thing is. It, we we were all set up so nicely because we went to a bowl. Yeah, and we we went to the Independence oh, yeah. Bowl, I, I, and I, we were so excited. We said, "This is it, man. We're back. We've turned we're, the we're out yeah. of the doldrums." Yeah. Yeah. And then the next year, just bam, just yeah, didn't. We didn't weren't ready click. yet, but yeah, and, uh, after that, it was kick ass. Then, yeah. then, then, then we took off, you yeah. know, and it was yeah. uh, it was a fun fun run, and you know, we got a lot of great kids in the program and coaches and people. Well, we talked a little bit about coaching trees you know and you hear about that these these coaches that influence other coaches and grow so who two things who was part of your coaching tree and maybe who have you influenced that has developed out of programs that were assistants or coordinators under you that you're really proud of well, there's, I mean, we got a lot of guys out there. Matt Eberflus right now is played for me at, at Toledo. 
worked for me here. He's the head coach, Chicago Bears. Ah. Okay. And so he, last year, their opening game, man, he, he, he flew me in. He said, I gotta have him opening game coach. Oh, dang. So, nice. yeah, That's so, so, so cool. So he was on with, with me a little bit too there. Yeah. And, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator at Southern Cal, he's my nephew. He was a, he worked for me here as graduate assistant and we brought him back as a full-time assistant after he went to, out to a small. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he was at Oklahoma and now he's the defensive coordinator at Southern Cal. Nice. And so there's, there's two guys with him. I, but I just tell you, I, I have, I have been so, I think my first four years, I lost one coach. Most of them, most of them had worked with me at Toledo. Mm-hmm. They knew how we ran things. I tried to make sure my coaches were home by eight o'clock every night so they could hug and kiss their kids. Yeah. Cause most guys on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday don't get home till 11. Yep. But if we get in a little bit earlier, you can get home to see your family. And we did that all the time. And I think a lot of people stayed here because yeah. they heard it was different in other places. Yeah. And a lot of people think if you wait, if you work till one o'clock in the morning, five days a week, it's going to win. But, you know, winning and doing things right, you know, if you do it the right way and the right timing, things, things go the way they go. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. In coaching and, and I think especially in professional sports, I think the general public do not see them as human beings. They see them as, people that do the job and they move around and stuff. And I think folks forget how difficult it is to uproot your family and to do it, unfortunately, usually on a, on a kind of a regular basis. I know, you know, it's part of the deal. Yeah. When you sign up as a coach, you know that you're, you're gone. I doubt I'm going to be here for 50 years. Yes. You're gone a lot. You're gone a lot. It's very, very very demanding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, uh, there's got to be a, that special person, you know, that's, that's, but, that but can that's, hang with that's you. why though, that's why I think this is significant. Yeah. I've had a bunch of coaches tell me that, um, you know, you know, when we, if I, when I was a graduate assistant at University of Washington one year before I was a full time there, we would do all the statistics for the coaches. You know, we'd have our computers and like this and like this. Well, that stuff all, you know, changed, but then yeah. coaches were first two days were working on stats more than they were coaching to, because that's they had no technology. Yeah. Well, now, I mean, you just blink like this. It's all done right in front of you, but we're still working 15 hour days when we don't really have to. Yeah. So uh, I think a lot of coaches embrace that because they could have maintained a little bit more family in our program. And I didn't do it. I did it for that reason. Not that I think that people would ask what time, you know, I get to go home at night, but I just thought it was the right thing to do. And, the right thing and, to so. do. and you know what? Those, as you said it yourself, those coaches stuck around. Yeah. yeah. yeah and, uh, you know, and that kind of loyalty and, uh, that kind of consistency, uh, I think is really important in the coaching profession. Yeah. Dave Christensen, you know, was that head coach at Wyoming. So I've had some coaches that have had some, some spots too. So, uh, you know, I've always been surrounded by good people my whole life. I, I tell people that, and they kind of get tired of hearing it, but it's the truth. The good Lord's just been good to me. Yeah. Well, I think, Brad, to your your earlier point, though, I the way the general public perceives players, coaches, programs, you know, sports entertainment is such a big deal now. I think they see it as a commodity. Yes. It's almost a consumable commodity mm-hmm. in their mind, you know, uh, ingest and dispose. Almost disposable. I mean, that's sad to say because these are people. These are individuals. They're, they're, they're student athletes. They're coaches. They're professional, you know, players, but they're still people. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's easy for us to forget that the media certainly 
doesn't help when it comes to the persona, the the characterization of people, yeah. especially if somebody gets in trouble. I mean, a lot of times I think about, you know, a college student who makes a bad decision and all of a sudden he's plastered all over the news and sports and my gosh, you know, any one of us, if we went back and looked at some of the stupid stuff we did when we were in college, yeah, yeah. we could be in the same position, yeah. but because they're in this Bubble. role as a, an athlete, they're... They're in the spotlight. Yeah, and that's the responsibility that we talk to our players about. And a good, good thing, not our first couple of years, but when our program started going, you know, it was so great because I would put the freshmen and give the seniors meet with the freshmen when they get in. I'd make them like three day evenings in a row, about a half an hour each, covering about going to school and classes, covering about treating pe- women with respect, covering about these other things. And that's my players. We're, yeah. we're teaching that now, okay, yeah. in, in the way that they do. And I think, you know, that's kind of – you know, you're, you're right. I mean, it's, there's, it's gets so busy. You get so many different things. Uh, but we certainly tried to do things the right way and the right way to, you know, to win games yet, but the right way, uh, you know, to get involved family and things yeah. like that. Brings up something. I mean, this may be the best time to talk about it. What's your take on, you know, we've always had NCAA rules about amateurs, that kind of thing. What's your take on the new name and f- uh, use of name NIL, and, and NIL. likeness. Yeah. N- name, image, likeness. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you got to thought three hours here. I can't <laughs> talk about this. Uh, we do. No, I, I'm, I'm really concerned. Let's just put it this way here. I'm really concerned about college football. And um, there really are no rules now. There really are no rules. You know, people can offer money. If you say, well, it's got to go through this. Schools at the end of the year don't have to say, this is how much money we gave our football team for salaries for players. Mm-hmm. They don't have to do that. You don't have, they don't, they don't, yeah. they don't have to become public. Well, you know, I, I just really, I just really believe that if the more money you have, the better players you can buy. And yeah. then it has nothing to do with building the program. I, I'm concerned about our, our situation. You know, I just, I, I, what, what if, what if I had like Jeremy Mack, I, I, I talked to him, you know, a few weeks ago and just kidded around with him. And I, and I said, Jeremy, I said, you know, after that first great year that you had, and then that, you know, you know, the, you know, he was first round draft pick and yeah. you know, hall of fame and everything. Yeah. And, and, and I, I look at him and I said, what happens if somebody said, we came, saw you and said, you're going into your last year here. And he said, we'll give you $1.3 million. And he looked at me and paused and I told him I want to be serious with this. This is what it was. He looked at me and says, coach, I don't know if I could turn down $1.3 million. Yeah. It's, no kidding. And so the problem I have is this, and nobody really is talking about it as much as I am. Is, is this guy a great football coach because he has more money to buy players? Most likely. You, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's a blunt way of saying it, but yeah. it gets, gets everybody's point. Sure. And you, so people say, well, we can't pay him much, but we should still be able to beat all those guys. That's like in the NFL. Well, we have we, half of them salary caps. Yeah. The other half, there's no salary caps. Right. Right. We and know you're supposed to be in, 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 in pro sports yeah, because yeah. look at you know the Yankees, these yeah. guys that just buy teams. So and, I, I'm just you know I, I'm just disturbed by it. I think the yeah. players should get. There's millions and millions and millions of dollars out there. Players should get paid extra, whether you have a salary cap. But make the make come out publicly at the end of the year. And say how much money did you spend on players? Yeah. Transparent. Yeah. And you're going to yeah. see the winning and losing. It's going to it's going to Having the have nots, yeah. Yeah. Before the only difference then was between anybody else is you might have a bigger stadium with more people in it, Uh, you know. But you still, you know, your players weren't getting uh, much less than other other players, you know. So it's just taking the the possibilities of building a great program to the rich. Yeah. Well, and I guess the portal sort of 
And then the works. portals even yeah, even even a, worse. That, I think that bothers me as yeah, much as anything. I agree. I, the and, portal and if bothers I, me. If a I'm bit. sitting here and I'm and I'm Gary Pinkle or I'm you know the new basketball coach, I'm like, am I going to have a brand new team next year? Yeah. yeah. I don't know these guys. You know yeah. who. who Who's playing for me? Yeah. And that, you know, I'll play devil's advocate a little bit on the player's behalf. You know, if you go to a school recruited by a certain coach, that coach leaves, the program completely changes, and you're like, what the hell just mm-hmm, happened? Mm-hmm. Everything that I was planning on for the next four years is gone, and I'm stuck. I mean, I can kind of get that too. You know, yeah. what, what kind yeah, of recourse I, I, do they I, have? I, I, I understand know. that. I respect that. But I think one of the great things about football is, or any sport, is you get knocked down. And then you don't get up and say, I'm quitting. I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. So you're not feel things are going real well for you here, but I'm going to give everything I have. And it used to be you had to have one year. And after that one year, the second year, you could right. go out. You could transfer. Yeah. And it was so much better for kids. And the other thing, too, nobody's talking about graduation rates now or how many kids are you – know, scholarships they're given to, to high school kids as compared to the portal, as compared to other other ways. Yeah. Um, I just, it'll be really interesting five years from now, see yeah, what college football is. Well, I've got a question about bowls. I'm going to lighten it up a minute. <laughs> You've been to 11 of them. Do any of them stick out from this standpoint, from the organization, the bowl itself? And you said, man, these guys went above and beyond the call of duty to, to do this for my kids. You know, let, let's see. You've been to a Las Vegas independence twice, son, Cotton twice. Congratulations on being named to the Cotton Bowl Hall of yeah. Fame. Yeah. That was yeah. cool. Yeah. The Alamo, the Texas, the Insight, and the Citrus. Cotton twice. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and and at Washington, I went to twelve bowls in thirteen years. So I yeah, mean, it was uh, Rose so you, Bowls, Orange Bowl. I, I didn't have, and I didn't. <laughs> yeah, so, so, I, so. I've, I've been very lucky here. So your question then was what experience wise? Like, oh, this okay, is an I, experience. I you, yeah. As an experience, in, yeah, in going, for, for not you necessarily the, team, the yeah. game. Yeah. The kids. Well, you're, well, you're always hesitant to say that just because you don't want to be hurt anybody's feelings. Generally, the bigger bowls have more money; sure. they can do more things. My biggest concern was getting guys' heads right. <laughs> In yeah. a 10, 12 day period of time. Yeah. You do have to play a football yeah, yeah, game, boys. Yeah. 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 You got to do that. So I think there's a combination of that, but I, you know, the bigger bowls just are phenomenal what they do. And, and, you know, and I just, they're so first class and everything that they do. And I say it's only that. I don't really know. You know, I can't really say, you know, if this one does it better than anybody else. That but maybe wasn't fair. Well, that's a good yeah, question though. And I, I, I agree with you. The cotton bowls were phenomenal. But they got a lot of money and they know what they're doing. Sure. They've done it. They've done they've it, doing long, it a long time. Long time. Yeah. And so they've <laughs> learned from it and things like that. And, and generally all of them do just a great job of just trying to make it best. And one of the great things for families is if you can go to bowls, take your families, go to, we went out 10 days generally, not five or six like most do. We're in bigger bowls two weeks. So we could give a thank you to all the families and the kids. Nice. Yeah. To, you enjoy this bowl for two weeks now yeah. and, and that kind of Thing. So that's a way. Like a we, that's the way that we really kind yeah, of nice, did on it, and, nice. that, and a thank you to them. Are you brought into that process? How does that work as a head coach? Then you know, you know, you've got two or three bull representatives up in the stands, yeah. and there's the, the, you know, in the press. That's one of their favorite things to yeah. chatter about. <laughs> I mean, that's one of you know, like, gee, well, I think if we win this, we're going to go to this, and then. So, do you and the athletic director get together on that? Not or really. Do they say, "Hey, Gary, guess what." We're going to the independence. Well, what happens is you start winning. You start, it depends how you're winning. If you're way up, you know, it's going to be this bowl or that bowl. Right. When you're down here further, you might have won seven games or eight games. You're bowl eligible. 
you're going to get find out a little bit later because everybody comes in and grabs them the way they do. And I've never really, you know, been a part of any of that, seen okay. that. But uh, it's pretty neat, though. I mean, they do a lot of things, and, and you know, you buy rings and watches for you. I sure. got, I can sure. show you my my in my office there. I mean, I got 27 bowl watches and and rings and stuff, and so it's uh Yes, it's let's go look awesome. at that a little. Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah, mind I saying take, that at all. I don't mind taking a picture of that. So. <laughs> well, yeah, you well, can. Well, how uh, this is going to be a really broad question, but you've got a long tenure in the world in the sport of football. How have you seen the game evolve and change over the years, for the better or worse, or uh, you know, just just the game itself on the on the field on yeah, on the field between I just, the lines? I just, I just, Still think it's getting better and better. You know, it's it's. I think it's really awesome. I think that I'm worried a little bit about the quarterback situation. Is you know, the quarterback had to be pretty good to have a great team. Now your quarterback's got to be brilliant. Yeah. At the at both levels. You right. Know, and and yeah. I think that's puts a tremendous amount of pressure on a lot of people because you can have every ingredient except you don't have the right guy behind the center. Yeah. And we were fortunate to have a bunch of guys. Most of all my guys played in the NFL a little bit that were behind the center. Yeah. So and so you're you're a fan of the the higher scoring uh, air game more yeah, than I, the the you know there are well old, if you win they're yeah. old school guys <laughs> if it works we went forty eight to three three yards in a cloud of dust yeah. you know there are they're, some of those people who like that yeah the fans are not, not the game has evolved past the, that the now. Tr- the trouble they're scoring so much more the bigger i don't know i can't tell you 15 years ago what the average score you know offense in the in the sec is but i guarantee it's going to be significantly lower than what it is now oh yeah and oh, you yeah. can sit there and say i want to you know i want to run under wishbone why don't we see people running wishbone anymore because they can't they, they got to be able to <laughs> compete up here in these numbers up yeah. here yeah, yeah. uh it's, it's exciting for fans and speed, it's, speed. Yeah. it's exciting for fans it was kind of fun watching Navy run the old option last year. They would they would bring that in sometimes. Yeah, the old option. Uh, I, I don't think it was a wishbone. But it yeah, was we, like lo- a we lost. We yeah. lost the Navy. I think it was the Navy in the Texas Bowl. Jeez, I was so upset after that game. Yeah. <laughs> we won't dwell on that. Yeah. yeah, I remember a quote you said one time. We were talk- they were talking about trick plays, and you just said, "Hey." If it works, you're a genius. Yeah, but boy, <laughs> when, really bad, when it, it doesn't, doesn't work. <laughs> so, so, so that was that was uh, that was the first time we beat Nebraska in 25 years, and we did a we did a fake field goal. Yes, and got a touchdown. I know. I did that just because I wanted to make sure that you know if we could get it, that we would have a pretty good lead going to the fourth quarter. And that's exactly what the guy said to me. He come up and said, "Coach, that was one of the greatest calls I've ever seen." And I said, "You know why it was a great call?" Because it worked. Yeah. I said, if it wouldn't have worked, you want to revisit what this would be like here? You'd, have been, a, you'd have been a goat. Yeah. You'd have been in the Well, goat, I wrote so. down because I've, I've gone to so many, but, but I, I picked some of my more current ones and I noticed you had some down, down, of course, the fifth down game, which I'm sure you heard all about. That was, that, <laughs> Bob Stahl, a real good friend of mine, too. That was, that uh, was, that was brutal. That brutal. was the most weirdest thing I have ever been through in my life. But the Nebraska game, 41 24. And, and, you know, as one that sat through all those big eight games and watched Nebraska beat a 70 to nothing, believe me, that one was sweet. But, uh, and then the Kansas game over in Arrowhead. Oh, By yeah. the way, you guys are lucky you were on the field because that was a lot safer place than being up in that. Is that state. right? Well, I bet I'm it not was. kidding. Yeah. I'm not kidding. You get a bunch of drunk Jayhawks and Missouri fans. <laughs> it, it, it was after the game, especially yeah, the way we won it and stuff. Boy, yeah. There were some pissed off people. I try, out to, there. I try to tell people that that game. You know, you look for rivalry games in the United States here. That game was as big as any SC UCLA game, Michigan Ohio State game. I, you go, you go anywhere you want to. 
that game had with that environment oh, was because oh, yeah. they had a great football team also. Yeah, they did. And that the environment is just chilling. Just thinking about it, yeah. I mean, you know, you want to play in a, a big, big national game. Yeah. Well, that's what it was. It, was it, it rivaled and my whole thing. Just think, oh, we won the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if I were you, I'd have said, "Come on, boys, let's get in there. Let's, let's, let's go ahead." And get well, that photo <laughs> of the Kansas quarterback with the turf stuck in his helmet for a while was all over the I, I, internet. I got downstairs yeah. in, a, in a big photo, something like yeah, this. You do. Yeah, that was great. The other one, though, I thought was. Probably for me, one of the greatest games ever, and that that could be debated. But the uh, October twenty three, two thousand ten, Oklahoma Missouri game undefeated at beat him was and they, and game day was there yeah, it was, around it could, the college. It could be better. Huh? It yeah. was, I mean, ESPN, this thing yeah. was hyped up, and we and I walked in there in the back of me. I've said I've sat through so much Mizzou football. Please, God, God, let just one time. Let's put it to these guys just once, because we've gone down there. I mean, they've they've spoiled our party. I don't know how many times. Many, and many so, times. Yeah, yeah that, and, that was really special. And that one, I've, I've got a great picture of Brenda and I down on the field on that one, and I've got it in the at yeah, home. And I, yeah. I was like, that was truly one of the great. I, and you said game day was here too. And the neat thing about that is that game day with there with the pillars. Oh man, that looks. I mean, oh my gosh, oh, it's great. It was just great for the university. Yeah, it was Great fair, and then we win the game. And did Lee Corso pick the sinners? Oh, he might, of course, he might have, he might have, yeah. Yeah, of course, probably did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was as as a coach and players. Uh, I, you know, all of those that I just mentioned, well, except the fifth down game, that was that sucked. But those other three were uh, pivotal games. Yeah, I thought, for yeah, the in our program. And yeah. there's been others yeah. back in the seventies and sixties. Yeah, and there stuff. were there were old ones. There was a there I'll was Notre, Notre Dame game where we won. Well, like, I'll tell you the story about that Notre Dame game. game. That, I was going to say <laughs> that one because uh, my roommate and I were on our way back to college that fall, and they were on the radio. We were listening to them on AM radio, and uh, they made a goal line stand. Yes. Against the Fighting Irish, and the Irish were ranked number one or they were way top up five. There. They were, and we were nothing. Mm-hmm. And we were listening to it in a, a red Volkswagen, no air conditioning, <laughs> so the windows were rolled down. It's August; it's hotter mm. than hell. <laughs> and and it, this was a call. And Notre Dame comes to the line. <laughs> the Tigers dig in along the goal line. The ball snap. <laughs> <laughs> You couldn't understand the thing the announcer was saying, and we we were all like, "What? What, what happened? What happened? <laughs> Slow down!" And it happened three times. Oh, they made really? this. Yeah, they, it was just it was the funniest thing because the announcer would get so excited he start shouting, and you couldn't understand anything he was saying. We had an upset it against Ohio State crazy. one time too. That was a dance. Yes, I that was heard a good time. I was on a golf course one time, and I was listening to that with a transistor radio in my bag. <laughs> Well, it's fun to talk about football, but I, I, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about what you're doing after football life. And I want you to talk about your foundation a little bit. Uh, first of all, you're enjoying retired life. Yeah. All yeah. Right. My cancer is okay. It hasn't done much, good, which is, good. which is good. Yeah. You know, they didn't know it'd be three years, five, 10, 20. I don't know, but I've been blessed there. Oh, good. Good. Uh, yeah. Nice. And my big Tell thing. Tell us about your foundation. Well, what happened was, you know, after a couple of years, I, I, I missed my players. And I, I was eat, eating breakfast, and Missy came out and looked at me. She goes, "You okay?" I said, "I, I miss my players." And by the way, my players drove me freaking nuts. <laughs> also, okay, let me, give you, let me give you the full story here. Okay, isn't, but, isn't but that what family's pretty much yeah, all about? Yeah, okay. like, but that's what coaching's about. And we, yeah. we, we, anybody, any player will tell you we really cared about our players. And we, was I tough on them a lot of times? Yeah, you know, just like any parent would do the same sure. thing. 
And so that's that's something that I just kind of, you know, I really missed, you know. We had kids from some difficult backgrounds, you know, that, that you know, I'd go to their house before we brought them in. Not to say whether they're going to bring them in or not. I just want to know the environment he's been up in, and then I can understand maybe some things he does and how we can help him. So those kind of things. And the kids come from all different backgrounds. But anyway, that's one of the, what's one of them? Kids that come from backgrounds. Uh, we do that with uh, mentoring and scholarships. We have put 62 scholarships out now. Uh, but I've been in some horrific homes and just the kids, how could they even make it out of it? Um, but anyway, that we're doing something about that. Okay. Uh, kids with physical challenges. Uh, my brother and sister were in wheelchairs when they were reached adolescence. I was, um, I was in the middle. My sister, me that my brother was younger than me my sister after you know like two years in college she has trouble walking she lost her ability her ability to walk okay when she was about 18 years old so she had to go in a, in a wheelchair i'm playing football at kent state and he's going fine there my brother's doing fine and all of a sudden playing basketball doing fine all of a sudden he starts stumbling around he gets the same thing hmm. so i've always been sensitive to kids that have physical challenges or those type of things so we're looking out for kids in the same situation and there's a lot of different ways that they have not just walking, but there's a lot of other problems and things like that. And so we're putting monies into that to really significantly help kids. Or we have a thing, um, Don Jeff City, the learning center down there that's yeah. absolutely yeah. amazing. In fact, it's going to grow and it's going to get bigger, but the things they're doing, they're bringing kids from, you know, different districts around back down to get treatments and things. It's just, it's amazing what they're doing there. Yeah. Uh, so that's that. And then kids with, kids with, um, cancer, you know, kind of parallel, kind of, so those two kind of parallel my whole life then. So, and, you know, we're, 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 I always tell people, you know, if, if you, if you're given $50, you know, you're, we're winning because we're all, all this research is it's better than it was five years ago. It's better than it was ten years ago. You bet. So we still financially get involved with that for people that do studies for children and things like that. And what's the name of the foundation, Gary? The GP Made Foundation. GP Made. Made's an acronym from Make a Difference Every Day. Okay. And uh, we actually say our players are GP Made. That's what some of one of our players won this award and he goes, well, I'm GP made. This first time I'd ever heard it. Mm -hmm. GP, obviously my name, Gary Pinkle made, I play for him. They can make GP made. They can make you a better player than anybody else can do it. If you go to university of Missouri, I heard players say that. So we just grabbed it and adopted it. It's a great name. It's a great Fantastic. And And the fact it came from this, from the players. That was the best part about it. So one of the coaches came in, did you hear that player? I forget who the player was. Did you hear him talk about how he's GP made? I said, no, what do you you talking about and so he kind of went through the whole thing and we used to recruiting we had going homes and parents said, oh, yeah. you know it's just yeah. it's been it's really and it's not me it's it's the the big our program and everything yeah. but yeah. you know at, at the end of the day it's uh you know i've been you know real fortunate and I, and i and i really want to give back to kids and help them we've raised hundreds hundreds of thousands of dollars that's great on the 6th of october uh the night before we play lsu we're going to have an evening with GP. Uh, last year, um, um, Brad Smith came, and we had some other players, oh, wow. and a guy named Chase Daniels is going to be in here yeah. for the first time on campus since he's been back. You know, oh, really? All, I those, see, year, all those oh, years really? in the NFL. I yeah. see he's huh. lurking around yeah. uh, practice yeah. over there. Yeah, they called him in to do that. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's going to be that's, uh, that's going to be awesome. And and you know, if you can go online at, at, oh, well, yeah, at, at gpmade.com. We'll share, yeah. we'll share the link to the uh, to the organization, to the foundation. Um, I'm sure if you want to get involved, we would highly encourage you to do that. 
that great cause. And so uh, we'll put all the yeah. links and stuff, Gary, on our pot, on our uh, we'll website on our and all website. the promos. Okay, thank you. So, we're, yeah. we're, last year we raised we, the thing lasts about two and a half hours, and we raised one hundred thirty thousand dollars. Well, congratulations and and uh, kudos to you for for doing that. I mean, it's it's easy just to walk away, but it's always nice to have people give back. Uh, and uh, so, thanks for what you're doing there. It's, with it's that. Just something significant. We'll put the website up, and you can go and check it out. GP made. Okay, and, well, that's uh, awesome. Um, so are we ready to transition? I think we're ready to transition. All right. To the most heralded part of our show. That's right. There it is. And you know what it is, folks. Yes. And now it's time for the El, El Bandido, Bandido Yankee, Yankee. Three, three top, top picks. picks. All right. That's right, Brad. El Bandido Yankee Tequila is the official sponsor of the <laughs> We Like That Two top, three top picks portion of the broadcast. Keith, let's tell the Bond Vivants the top three reasons El Bandido Yankee is our choice when it comes to <laughs> premium tequilas. Well, you know, first, El Bandido is authentically crafted. By traditional methods using only a mature Blue Weber agave. So you know it's the real stuff. That's right. And it's also confirmed 100% additive free. No added flavors, no chemicals, no nonsense, no yucky stuff. Just pure, natural tequila That's goodness. right, Brad. Do you know the best reason? What's that? It's the taste. Whether you're mixing it with your favorite cocktails or just sipping it straight. And whether it's Blanco or Reposado, El Bandito Yankee tequila goes down nice and easy. You bet it does. You know what they call that? At El Bandito Yankee? It's criminally smooth. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's premium tequila at a palatable price. So ask for it wherever you buy your fine spirits. El Bandito Yankee tequila. And now it's time for the three top And we're going to shift gears here because we found out, and actually we we saw you at the Earth, Wind, and Fire concert. (laughs) So we know Coach Pinkle loves live music and concerts. In In the mosh pit. By oh yeah, he was, he, was, the, he was in the, the mosh pit. Yeah. Did Desert Wind and Fire mosh? I'm not sure. I don't know if you mosh pit that was. They got great sound though. That was one hell of a night, great. wasn't it? They were oh, great. Man, that so, was a, that was a party. Yeah, we're gonna do three top live concert either memories or experiences we'll kind of talk about why we picked them but you know i also want to talk about another way to listen to music there's a lot of ways to listen to music and one of them is through your local library that's right with your library card you may not know this coach missouri river original library is our local library and they have a program you can use your library card it's called hoopla you download the hoopla app use your library card and you can check out music you can stream live concerts Hmm. and uh order albums download albums so it's a great way to access music through your local library and you know bombi fonts check out your local library wherever you are i'm sure they have the hoopla program too so thank you missouri river regional library for being a sponsor but they do and now on to the three top picks three top live concert memories or experiences coach we start with the guest and we'll go one at a time and we'll just go around the table what if i have more three well, well we do honorable mentions oh, and we I, cheat. Got, I got a few honorable brands. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, 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 we cheat we, we first of all i love music um i can't play anything i can't sing anything but i absolutely love music i, I have xm series radio yeah. and you can the great thing about that you can go to any decade you want to go to oh, any yeah. type of music and listen to anything you want to do okay so yeah. number one um Elton John. Ooh. I I mean, bucket list. Legend, 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 legend. Absolutely unbelievable. I saw him live when I was a freshman in college at Kent State University. Wow. And it was, he just was, he's the very, very best, man. Just got great music, great sound for me. Again, I like a lot of different stuff. 
But, well, and a great uh, entertainer, you know, I understand. Uh, yeah, he's, you he's, know, he's, as far as a presence, he's, on stage. Yeah, he's the absolute best. Yeah, yeah, I think I've seen him like I think I've seen him three or four times. I mean, yeah. he and, over, he over he the and years. Bernie have written just iconic yeah, yes, yes. songs that'll go way past us. They've I been mean, fairly successful as a team. <laughs> yeah, 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 fairly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're, they're plugging along here. Yeah, pretty they're good. plugging along. Okay. Yeah. They'll have residuals coming and, in until 2025. I've yet to see Elton. He's still on my bucket list. I think I'm going to run out of time. I think he's, he says he's retiring this time. He might not, you know, he might come. That back. was something we've always preached too, Gary. If you, if you want to go see some of your, your heroes, you know, don't wait. Yeah. I went and saw Gordon Lightfoot over here and, uh, but that was Gordo, awesome. Gordo was, was, was amazing. And, uh, yeah. Uh, we went and saw Willie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you guys no, make it down to see Willie at the at the Ozark Amphitheater? Yeah. So yeah. We, you don't 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 wait around because that's right. Yeah. So, everybody everybody stopwatches going. That's, that's right. So my first pick is not a it's it's not the best concert I've ever been to, but it, it's a memorable experience because I was a freshman in college, and you know I grew up in Jeff City. I had never really been to a big arena or stadium concert before, so I go off to college as a freshman. One of my fraternity brothers has tickets to see Fog Hat in Kansas City. Now they had their one hit wonder, Slow Ride. Slow ride. They were they, you know, so they were coming off of that album, and I was like, yeah. So I'd never been to anything like this before. The thing that made this memorable, two things. Judas Priest opened for them, oh and they God. were horrible. They got booed <laughs> off the stage. They were terrible. But the thing, this is going to be strange, but this is why this concert was memorable for me. I go into the bathroom, and there's a couple guys in the bathroom, and they say, do you have a credit card? And I'm like, what college student has a credit card, especially back in the 70s? And I, but my dad had given me an APCO gas credit card in case I needed to buy gas or the emergency. So I was like, yeah. So I give it to him. They start cutting cocaine. With my credit card, and I'm I'm like, what the hell is going on? Jeff City, you we know, don't do that. I, 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 yeah. I've never been or seen anything like this before. And I'm like, Harry, once I was like, no man, give me my credit card back. Oh, I was out of there. It was crazy, but I'll never forget that experience. It was my first experience with illicit and illegal illicit uh, and illegal drugs. substances. Yeah. I did not partake, by the way. Yeah, good. You didn't lick the card or anything. Did not lick the card. Right. Did not. Yeah. So anyway, you remember Tenanzios? Oh yeah. I went through a phase where I just, I just loved fifties and early sixties rock, and so they had some of those oldies bands you yeah. know, that came in there. Yeah. They had the coasters come in, and it, and you know, twenty five, thirty years ago, you had at least some of the original guys, and so they had two of the original coasters that were in in the band. And I was just flipping out and we'd had a few cocktails. And so I was like, I want to meet these guys. So I went wandering around and they had them in this green room back there. And I just opened the door. They had no security. I just opened the door and walked in and sat down and talked to these guys about Charlie Brown and some of the songs that they'd done. And, you know, I guess I put up with it because I was young and they were somewhat impressed the fact that I a knew who they were and B knew some of their songs. Yeah. And so they sat and visited with me. I I've thought about that since we've done this podcast. Cause I thought, man, I would love to have had the opportunity to do a real interview and talk to them yeah. about, you know, the, the genesis of rock and roll music yeah. and, and yeah. on what, what it's like on the road back then and all that kind of stuff. But yes, I, uh, I, I think I called the guy, Charlie Brown is not really, but you know, he didn't, he, he, again, I think he was impressed. The fact that I even knew it. The fact Charlie that, Brown the, the, fact they, had no, the yeah. fact they had no security is to tell you how the music business has changed. So. Yeah, yeah, they were just 
And they're hanging out. All right, so Coach. Anyway. Back to you, number two. Well, everybody remembers the group, uh, the Commodores. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm man. a big Lionel Richie fan. I yeah? am too. And man. I think I've seen him in the last six years, probably four times. And I'll see him again if I can. You know, when you get, when you get older, it starts ticking. So you can yeah. sit there and say, I'll wait yeah. till, yeah. you know, you know what you're going to be doing. But his, his sound is just, for me, is just, uh, just great stuff. So I, I listened to a lot of him. I yeah. like, uh, I love Lionel Richie. And that was another, you know, I thought about them a lot when we were at Earth, Wind, and Fire, and I was like, they were kind of in the same genre, you know, um, high energy, yeah, you know, wonderful uh, R and B, you know, uh, horns, yeah, love the horns, yes, yeah, horns yes. just do something. Yeah. I don't know, it just kind of gets you up, and uh, well, they had depth and and uh, boldness to the sound, yeah, they did. Yeah. Well, Lionel's Lionel's great. Yeah, he's I think a great he's, musician. He's yeah. really. Uh, He's he's really good great on talent. American Idol too. I yeah. think he's a great judge. Yeah, he's a good job. And uh, it's kind of neat to see some of the people that come in there and give him great respect. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> as, yeah. as well he has deserved. Yeah, yeah. 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 I like yeah. the other two too. But Lionel's he he well, spans another generation. Yeah, he's, he's iconic. Than, he's he's a talent, no doubt about it. So yeah. that's a good one. That's a very good one. So again, my second one has a story behind it. I went with experiences maybe more than, uh, or memories maybe more than experiences because you know, I've seen a lot of good concerts, but, uh, uh, Willie Nelson was at the state fair one year. Now I've seen Willie a couple of times and he's a great entertainer. Love his music. Great performer. Great musician. Great band. Always has a great band with him, people with him. At this particular concert, Janet and I were still dating, had not gotten married yet, but Janet. <laughs> She's going to kill me. Janet had her second beer. <laughs> and that was one half beer too many. <laughs> and there was, a, and now this was during the urban cowboy days. So everybody was decked out in their, you know, resist all hats with the feather bands and, you know, the, the roach clip feather tail hanging off the back end of it. You know, there was a guy sitting in front of us who had, I'll call it a duck tail, although it wasn't really a duck tail, but he had a little, you know, kind of thing of hair at the back of his neck. And I don't know why she started doing this, but she started reaching forward and like tugging on that little <laughs> ducktail. And this guy, he, he would all, he would turn around and he'd, and he'd look at me. He was sitting right in front of me, but she would be doing it. And, and he'd turn around and look and he was a big dude. And I'm like, I am a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> I am not going to fight this dude because you're messing with him. And it, it almost, uh, I was not happy at the end of the night. Let no, me tell you. I, no. Oh my gosh. I didn't know if I was going to get out of there alive or not, but she finally quit. But I was like, what in the world is wrong with you, girl? <laughs> you married her. Yeah, I know. Well, it lasted 40 years so far. So well, well, I no went regrets. With, I went with experience. It was iffy there for a few minutes. I went with experiences too, because I've had some good ones in Colombia and this was, this was a night, and I I don't know if I've talked about this one on the podcast. That's another problem, Gary. Yeah, you, we forget what we talk about. You're up to 70 episodes. <laughs> Some of those first ones. <laughs> um, there was a place called Maxie's down, downtown, and uh, they did live music, and they had kind of an oldie show. They had a guy that, that uh, did uh, was a DJ for an oldie show, and it was really popular. And the kids, you know, we were young, but – we had a very special evening because we had Otis Day and the Nights came <laughs> from Animal House and uh, played. Wait, My man! He, wait, he loves us. <laughs> uh, Dwayne Jesse was his name. And so it was supposed to be outside. It was supposed to be out in the parking lot. And they had a big stage and everything set up out there, of which would have been so much better. 
But it starts raining and storming, and they had to bring the thing inside. It got up to about 130 degrees in there, oh. drunk people. And then it took it took a good hour and a half, you know, to get all the stuff in, set up again. Yeah. It wasn't a positive experience, <laughs> other than the fact that I've got a really cool poster that says um, from uh, Dwayne Jesse that says, hey, Brad, you make me want to dance. Uh, and, uh, that was pretty cool. That was good. Yeah. So, That's funny. Um, yeah. Otis Day and the Knights. You know, uh, really, who is art imitate being in a, imitated by life, I guess, because they weren't really a band when they were in the movie. They were just a bunch of guys. Yeah. And so they became a band after, after the movie came, came successful. Animal House celebrated its 45th year, I think, this year. Yeah. I think that, it did. How about that? That kind yeah. of spooks you out, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah when they start oh having gosh. those kind of anniversaries. I know. Yeah. No doubt about yeah, it. Yeah. 78 was when the movie yeah. came out. Yes. So I saw that movie 12 times that summer. Yeah. <laughs> My nickname in the fraternity was Bluto. If that tells you anything. Not proud of that. <laughs> No judgments here, man. <laughs> All right. Number number three or any honorable mentions you want to throw in there before your uh, final pick? Or? Um, no, uh, the Bee Gees. Oh. I, I love Bee Gees music. And yeah. a lot of people think or wonder why. I, just, I think it's just fascinating. Now, they wrote the album for, um, gosh, I forget the, the, the actor, singer. That's a musical. Um, anyway, uh their music's in, incredible. They're the best sounding band, I think, that I've, the, when you put it all together. Oh, yeah. I the love way the they, early And stuff. the way they sing together. Yeah, the Massachusetts, early Massachusetts some, of the, stuff. some of those well, kind of songs the, are just the beautiful. Saturday Night Fever fa- Saturday, soundtrack. That's, that's what I'm talking about, Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. No, that thank, thank you I, for no, bailing me out that there. That soundtrack's song. iconic. Uh, yeah. It's unbelievable. Oh my gosh. Every, every, how many hits off of that album? Uh, oh, almost every track was a hit. Yeah, to me, that sound is just, you know, I just listen to it a lot because it just, it's just there's nobody else has a sound like that. The, the three part harmonies are yes. so tight. They're they sound so tight. They sound like one voice. And how can you do that though? I mean, that's so uh, hard. You grow up with each other, I guess. And well, do that's it why all I now. like those early ones. I yeah. like the Saturday Night Live soundtrack, but I think some of the Saturday Night Fever, Saturday Night Fever, but some of the uh, soundtrack stuff that they used to do. I think they had a couple of songs in some other movies. Oh yeah, they uh, did a lot of before, stuff. Before, I mean, everybody seems to remember that 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 album but they, they were hits long so before much, that they did some really cool yeah. stuff before that and that was for me the, the uniqueness of their of their their, their presentation of how they sing together yeah it just i don't know if anybody else does it like that they well, were stars before the disco sound came around the yeah. disco sound they transitioned they into grabbed that. them yes grabbed yes. them and say let's yeah. go you got bands like crosby Souls and nash you know that uh, the day awesome. just amazing harmonies and yeah. stuff but you know, not everybody could do it. No, no, and it, it's it was oh. hard singing. You've you're singing. Oh, I know. I've sang and singing yeah. harmonies. It's very hard. You got to yeah. really. Hey, I have trouble singing jingle bells. So, so. <laughs> you got to really listen. Yeah. So. yeah, to get them that tight too. It's really it's really good. But that's uh, a good. One. I love I love them. You got any, anybody you, else? You got I, your mention, mention real quick. Uh, Michael Jackson music genius. Yeah. Uh, Motown. Uh, I grew up in 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 Ohio, and Motown's not Mizzou Town. Motown is Detroit. Right. Right. And that back in that day, and you guys, are, you guys are too young, yeah. but that that, that yeah. the best. I have you seen Motown the musical the uh, yes, stage musical yes, yes. well you know the the Bee Gees were successful before disco they transitioned 
into disco when that came along. It's, it's kind of like a resurgence of their career, actually. Yeah, but their sound is so unique. Yeah, that's what yeah, I mean. Beautiful. I know there's a, nobody has a sound like that that I yeah. know of, and that's kind of what, what's appealing to me. And beautiful. And they were really pretty remarkable. I've seen them a few times. And great choice. Any other? Yeah. Uh, any other? Uh, you said uh, maybe you like country. You like all yeah, sorts I like of country music. All different. Kenny Chesney and Chris Stapleton. Yeah. I could do a lot more than oh, that I too. It's just I, I just you know all these types of music. I I just really enjoy, and I'm glad I do. I know some people just sit on one particular one. Yeah. We don't. We, nah, we like I, a lot I like of variety stuff. of stuff. I do too. Have you seen Chris Stapleton concert? Uh, no. Okay. No, yeah. So if you get a chance, I highly recommend it. And one of the best things about it was, you know, not only with his band and his wife sings harmonies with him. Yeah. She's phenomenal. He did a section uh, where he just him and his guitar he let the band go take a rest. His wife was off stage. He sat down acoustic. About thirty minutes, and it's just like awesome. Uh, in, in a, a huge arena, held the audience in the palm of his hand. Yeah, probably yeah. Couldn't, couldn't hear a. Oh, pin you could hear a pin drop. Yeah, Isn't just awesome. beautiful. Just beautiful. Have you ever been to see Garth? Yes. Yeah. Very good. You'll never forget Very that. Good. I, I mean, got a chance to meet him because it had something to do with Missy's magazine. Yeah. He was on the cover. Oh, oh yeah, that's, that's right. right. I got a chance to meet him. I got to meet Kenny Chesney too. Nice. When he heard I was in the stands. At at a, at a concert in uh, St. Louis, oh, and wow. so after the thing, I got to go walk in and shake his hands. Nice, unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, a lot of a lot of good stuff. Yeah, well, there's a lot of good music up there. So, my last, um, my final pick, a couple of honorable mentions there uh, happened in Springfield. Um, James Taylor, and because Hannah, my oldest daughter, saw him, she was very young. She knew his music. Because we listened to it at home, but when she saw him, she thought he didn't sound like he, he didn't look like he sounded. It was a shock to her. So that was an, and then I got to see Little Feet in oh, Springfield. Yeah. And now Lowell George had already passed away. He wasn't with them, but they were still a great show. And it was in the Shrine Mosque, which is a little smaller uh, space, a little more intimate arena, which was really cool. And then I got to see the Doobie Brothers on their minute by minute tour. In Springfield, I've seen them several times too, but that was a special tour because that was an iconic album and one of my favorite albums. Of and all you time. and I saw James Brown in Springfield. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember Jackson? Brown. Jackson. I was going to say, when did we see James Brown? Jackson Brown, and he set up and he set up twenty <laughs> guitars on stage. Twenty-seven. I Twenty-seven. Yeah, and they were all tuned to a different song. Yeah, yeah. and people yelled out. Wow. The, it was yeah, weird. Jackson Brown was good. Yeah, he and then good, it was yeah. an audience. He's got a lot of good music. Jackson yeah, he Brown does. does lots of he it. Does. Yeah. He does. He does. A lot of a lot of easy stuff to listen to. That's for sure. Um, but my third choice is is not hard, and I think we've talked about this on the program before. Was is the Eagles, my favorite band, and I got to see them on their no Long question. Road Out of Eden tour. And the, again, the reason it was special for me was my older daughter was in college at Creighton in Omaha. My younger daughter was still at home, and so we were able to meet in Kansas City, and I got to experience it with my daughters and the family together. And they're great Eagles fans too. I raised them right. And so uh, they were old enough to appreciate it. We had a great time. It was a fun weekend and a an experience we'll always remember as a family. So a lot of people think that's that's the the premier rock and roll start of their music is just absolutely incredible. Yeah. And well, so, I, you'll you'll probably never convince me that the Eagles aren't the greatest American band yeah, of all it, time. It's hard to and, hard to uh, uh, argue oh. that. Yep. So those are mine. Well, going back to Columbia, Missouri, um, I don't think you ever got a chance to go to the original old Blue Note, did you? That was on the business loop? No, I don't think You'd so. You'd remember yeah, it because yeah. it was a frightening place. Yeah. <laughs> it had a balcony. I heard you, about it. I heard yeah, about it. Yeah. it had a balcony that you kind of went, 
I wonder if this is the night. We're <laughs> 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 goners, man. Uh, but you know, they had meeting. Yeah, anything. exactly. Uh, yeah. But uh, I saw the fabulous Thunderbirds in there. Oh, where they did tough nice. enough, man. They yeah. just had their hit and stuff. Yeah. They had some other bands in there. You remember the Flirts? <clears throat> no. Don't take another, don't put another dime in the jukebox. That was one of theirs, <laughs> one of their 80s hits. I don't But anyway, the, the, the note had, the old note had some great, great, great yeah. musicians. I mean, well, and the new note is, had some really good ones. Well, you know, it's kind of funny because it's these these little regional uh, venues, if you're lucky, you catch some of these stars on their way up and you get yeah. to see them up close and personal before they hit big. I remember people talking about seeing Chris Stapleton here or Jamie Johnson. Yeah. When he was mm-hmm. still an, an unknown, just mm-hmm. a songwriter and they were, you know, 3 feet away from him. I remember the, Rascal, the Fla- Rascal Flatts played yeah. played, yeah. The, played yeah. the Blue Note because I was in Columbia for some reason and there was this line that was out and around the block and I finally pulled over. I said, who, who's playing? They said, Rascal Flats. And they said, ironically, they were here a year ago and, uh, there was no line. Yeah. So that's what <laughs> yeah. a difference yeah. a year yeah. can make. Yeah, the ticket price goes up after they hit it yeah, big. Yeah, so. it sure does. And, and then I saw Trombone Shorty. I know you're a Trombone Shorty. That may fan, have been so. one of the, if you ever get a chance really? to see Trombone Yeah, they're Shorty. great. Brad turned me on to them. Really? They're great. Saw yeah. them at Red Rocks. They opened for Hall and Oates, and they actually kind of stole the show. I looked at him. So I told him, I said, he goes, yeah, there's some guy at Trombone. Somebody's opening, opening for Hall and Oates. And I, and I looked at him. I said, I hope Hall and Oates is on, I hope they're on their game, man. And he gave me the biggest skunk eye, like, what? No. And then he comes home and he's kind of like, uh, let me tell you something about Trombone Shorty. Yeah. He just, yeah, he just about stole old show. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so. but, uh, he's gotten to be a deal. Yeah. So well, anyway, this was, this was fun, coach. This was very fun. I can't thank you enough no, thank for, you for agreeing too. to this. I hope you had fun and, uh, it, it is a lot of fun. And, a, lot of, a lot of interviews and things like this I've done before. This has been, this is pretty awesome. Thank well, you. Thank you. Oh, well, thank I you appreciate you. Much. And we, we thank will, you. uh, we will certainly promote the, uh, foundation, uh, information and website for you and do that in all our promotional materials. So awesome. if there's, and you, you let us know if you've got an event going on. You let us know. We'll okay. put it out there for you. Okay. Yeah. Bon vivants. We're going to be talking about some stuff that uh, we don't often talk about. Some food stuff. And uh, we got some fun stuff, stuff coming up. So, so stay, stay tuned, tuned and uh, like and share and review and uh, and subscribe. And um, and happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to three us. Three years, folks. It's a happy birthday, we've, guys. We've Thank survived happy three birthday. years. And that is uh, that's a rarity. And that's this pretty much about can't really call better it better than 95% of the. Uh, <laughs> don't you have to be uh, making money to be in business? Yeah. That's what I've heard. <laughs> All yeah. right. Bobby right. Voss, Dr. Jones. Hey, go Until Tigers yeah. and uh, cheers. 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 Thanks, guys. We Like That Too is produced as a labor of love for the enjoyment of Bon Vivants everywhere. To get information about our bottles and links to our guests, go to our website, welikethatpodcast.com. Tune in to new episodes by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, and other popular streaming apps. Please remember to rate, review, and share. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Like That Podcast. So everybody, hey, remember the numbers. One bottle, two good friends, and three top picks because we We like like that that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too. We like that too.